A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Amanda Milligan. Every show needs an intro song. That is my <laughs> that is my opinion on the matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I love singing that intro song. And when I started five seasons ago, it was David Bain who encouraged me to do it live. And I'm so thankful to him for that. So we're going to be talking about improving your brand authority with newsworthy content. Now, one of the reasons I really wanted to have this conversation is the idea of brand authority, AI, where we're going, why it suddenly becomes so much more important that people are focusing on it, and how we can build it with newsworthy content. Because I think a lot of brands push out content about themselves without thinking, is this actually newsworthy? Is that the case? It absolutely is the case. And I think that there is space for content that's not newsworthy if it is still offering a lot of value and it's really authentic to your brand story. Mm. I think, however, it's very underutilized newsworthy content. I think that a lot of people aren't doing it. So if you do invest in it, it's a great competitive advantage against all of your other competitors who are probably also producing the same type of content that you are. So it's an opportunity. It's the way that I right. see it. Are you going to give me the trick for creating newsworthy content from content that is actually just about me or my company? Sure. And I know everybody, like people hear that for the first time and they're like, how do I create content that's not about the company or not about the product or the service and it freaks them out. It's like, oh, I don't, you don't feel comfortable all the time investing in like the resources, the time and the money to create something if you don't see how it's going to immediately convert. And I think mm. that's what makes people hesitant. But I tend to think of authority on a, like a funnel in the same way as anything else in marketing, people love to throw a funnel on it, uh, that there's different types of authority. So please do continue to create your bottom of the funnel authoritative content, your case studies, you know, post testimonials on your site, all those types of things. But think about how you're reaching a broader audience and proving your authority in a more kind of bigger scale. And uh, the way to do that, I can certainly talk to. Um, that's kind of been just the background of my career has been about like earning links and earning media and trying to figure out ways to appeal to a, a mass audience. And Brilliant. News Which is exactly what we need um, at CaliCube. We're trying to reach a wider audience. It's hugely difficult because we talk about ourselves and we don't understand necessarily what is truly newsworthy and what is just us being terribly pleased with ourselves for our particular <laughs> niche. Uh, before we get into that, really quickly, I like talking about brand SERPs. And today I thought I'd bring up Bing. And I asked, who is Amanda Milligan? And that's ah. one of the huge problems that we have moving forwards is for people in particular, names are ambiguous. So yeah. there are multiple people called Amanda Milligan, one of whom was born on June the 13th, 1899. I imagine that's not you. She has dominated my SERP though. <laughs> She's a, an actress in I Love Lucy and in, in like that really iconic I Love Lucy episode. So she completely deserves it. But it's been, someone's actually come up to me at a conference and been like, how does it feel to share your, your uh, SERP with, with an actress who will, you'll never surpass? <laughs> I find Brilliant. it kind of funny. But you've done an amazing job, at, with Bing at least, of getting second place. Because another Amanda Milligan is head of marketing at Stacker Studio. 
Which is delightful. Um, is that because you've made an effort or is that pure luck? I certainly have worked on my personal brand. So this is this is encouraging to see that, that Bing is picking up on that. Uh, and a lot of the ways that I've done that are through speaking on podcasts, speaking at conferences, guest yeah. uh, posting on authoritative sites, which we'll talk about kind of, I'm so about in general, whether it's a personal brand or a brand that you kind of find who are the authorities in your space and how can you contribute to them or partner with them? Because it's showing people that if they trust you and want to work with you, that they should also trust you and want to work with you. So as part of my job, the last several years, I've worked on agency, like agency side for a while. So I've kind of been like the face for brands before mm. I have just, inherently because of my job done a lot of these things to promote the brands I've worked for. And it just so happens that uh, apparently, you know, Google's picking up on the fact that I talk about certain things. I think once newsworthy content I typed in and and I was like, or I typed in my name and newsworthy content was like one of my (laughs) related searches. I was like, all right, they got it. They know what I talk about. Right. And, and that is kind of the point. There are a couple of points that number one is, uh, piggybacking on other authoritative sources and identifying who they are. And that's one of the things we do at CaliCube with CaliCube Pro. We've got a database with a billion data points where we can say this is the authoritative authoritative source within this particular niche and somewhere you can aim for. Uh, and the second is being incredibly repetitive, which as a human being, you think, I'm just saying the same thing yet again. Is that a huge problem? Do people shy away from repeating themselves or, uh, or or do people like repeating themselves? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. I think that people get, I've seen this come up with conference talks because mm. some people will say like, I feel weird giving the same presentation over and over again. Um, but there's a couple of interesting points there. The first one is like, people don't tend to go to multiple conferences a year. So even if you're telling the same story, you're reaching a different audience every time. So that's a consideration. If, you know, it's okay to say the same thing if you're not talking to the same people. Um, But also like what I tend to do is think about, are there different examples and applications of the concepts that I'm talking about that will resonate with the specific audience more than maybe somebody else I was you know, targeting with a piece of content or an event. Uh, but I, I do think there is some hesitation around saying the same thing over and over again. Like people want to yeah. make sure they're offering value, but I think that's a different way of offering value. You don't have to come up with like a revolutionary concept every day. I think it's how do you help somebody understand and implement what you're saying? Right, which is a really good point. I mean, I find with brand SERPs, knowledge panels, brand authority, brand narrative, managing that on search, assistive and answer engines, I feel I'm repeating myself. But in fact, as you say, the audience isn't necessarily the same. And certainly Google, Bing and Apple and Facebook and Twitter absolutely love the repetition because they know exactly where to place you. It's a great point. No. It's something I honestly hadn't thought about a ton, but it makes total sense. Oh, right. Oh, I spent my whole day repeating myself in, in with the aim of educating these AI algorithms, which we'll talk about later on. But the AI algorithms function on repetition. So the more you can be consistent, the more they will understand. And your newsworthy content comment earlier on is exactly what they're looking for. And... 
from that perspective, what we do at CaliCube is train people to repeat themselves. And the trick that I'm trying to learn from you is where should we stop? Because the audience is going to get bored. But before we get into that, let's have a quick look at this. I made a video of Stacker, which is your company. And I wanted to show the people also ask, if I click on what does Stacker do, all of a sudden, we end up in a, a world of what a Stacker might be outside of your company. Mm -hmm. But if I reload the page and I click on is Stacker credible, Google then digs down into Stacker the company with the CEO. You'll see those questions that I, it is suggesting to me are very different. I think that's hugely, hugely important and hugely interesting is that with an ambiguous name like Stacker, you have a problem with the brand SERP is that you share it with the generic terms. And depending yep. on how people interact with Google, and it's going to become even more with ChatGPT on Bing, the different suggestions that are made are going to change enormously. Have you got a plan for dealing with that? I, I love that you brought this up because it is interesting to me. Not only is it the generic term, but there's two stacker companies. There's, there's oh, a software wow. company called Stacker. So, yes, our SERP is very, you know, can be very confusing. Did and I get the wrong Stacker there? So the company I was looking no, at was not No, no, you were right. You were right. Oh, right. And, okay. and oh, that's well, what makes oh, me excuse happy. Excuse me. And that's hugely exciting because that means that you're the dominant entity. When Google has a choice of two entities, it's going to choose the dominant one and show that. So your work for Stacker, Stacker Studio, is working because Google sees you as the dominant entity and therefore the one I'm most likely to be searching for. Love to hear that. I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, yeah. love to hear that. Yeah, I, I, I'm a team of one, candidly, at Stacker. Oh, really? So, yes, I'm, I'm the only marketing person. So I want to tackle this more, but it has not been our primary focus. But it, I do think it has naturally happened because of the uh, like the authority work that we've been doing and in mm. trying to build up the the site, the stacker.com domain has done really well because uh, inherently it create we create newsworthy content as, as our business. So we have built a lot of credibility over the years and we've seen that reflected in, in the SERP results and how we're kind of competing with the other company with our name. I have seen us kind of like edge them out just because uh, not only are people asking about us more, but we have that built-in kind of like domain authority, brand authority. Right. Yeah, no, I'm 100%. And Google's looking for multiple things when it's trying to figure out with that ambiguity what it should be showing. It's looking for the probability that you're actually looking for a specific answer. And that's going to be based on your famousness. It's going to be based on your geo region or the geo region of the person searching, but also the amount of authoritativeness and newsworthiness you've managed to demonstrate over the years. And its confidence is going to be hugely influenced by what you're doing, which is newsworthy, newsworthy content, excuse me. And what we found is that you can dominate through notability, confidence, mm. or geo. And you seem to be doing all three. That's really interesting. I've never heard it broken down like that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I it, I love looking at the people also ask questions because seeing like, 
I like seeing that people have heard about us and they're following up with additional mm. points, seeing how Google's picking up on that. Like, are they credible? How does it work? And I'm like, yes, that's what I, I want people to be asking those things and, and for that to be reflected in the SERP, right? Uh, but that, that's super fascinating. That's a really good point. It is. I, I spent my entire days and nights and middle of the mornings <laughs> digging into this stuff. And the CaliCube team, there's 12 of us, and I think everybody is so obsessed by this that we barely do anything else. Um, certainly me. I think everybody else has a family life. I spend my whole <laughs> life just looking at this. And really quickly, I'm just going to present what we offer at CaliCube. Uh, today, we're our own headline sponsor. And we offer three solutions. There's a book. Uh, I wrote a book to describe exactly how I approach this and the kind of insights we've been looking at today. There are courses where I dig deep into exactly how to manage your brand SERP and the authoritativeness of your personal brand or your company and the advances SaaS platform for uh, agencies, which we run and I really love because I've been building it and I'm totally obsessed by the data and the platform and what data we can pull out. And the people also ask is a great example. We've got huge numbers of questions, three or four million questions in the database so we can understand what are the questions people are asking around your particular brand or your, in your industry. You are listening to Branded Search and beyond with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. But enough about us. Brand authority. First question, brand authority for whom? Interesting question. I talk about this a decent amount. No one's ever asked that. Brand authority Ooh. for whom? <laughs> yeah, it's not often you get a brand new question. Um, I think that you mentioned at the top of the show that AI is kind of changing the landscape very rapidly. And even in general, if you like zoom out even further than that, just like what's happening in culture with just like the lack of trust, especially online, uh, authority already was gaining momentum, I think, but has just become more and more important with every passing day for brands. And so when I say authority, I mean that a brand is portraying and demonstrating that they know what they're mm. talking about and that they are committed to providing useful, interesting information and that they are getting it in front of people, right? Because that's that's the, the age-old content problem is like you're creating stuff and you want to make sure that people are actually seeing it. Otherwise, it doesn't really serve any purpose. So, right. and I, I mentioned briefly that there are multiple ways to create authoritative content. And we're going to talk more about like the top of the funnel version, but anything that you're creating should have authority behind it. Meaning what expertise are you bringing to the table? Is it, is it more data-based? Are you running, are you doing proprietary research? Are you using internal experts to come up with mm. this? Like, what are you offering that is not being offered by anybody else or by your competitors? So the more that you're able to do that and, and bring to the table something that is original or, you know, we can, we'll delve into what newsworthy means, but newsworthy, the more people will start to trust you. They know you're kind of doing the work of creating something that is meaningful and isn't just based on subject, you know, subjectivity and, you know, that you threw it together to rank for something that it means mm -hmm. something. 
Right. No, sorry, there were a couple of things that come up there. Number one is you keep saying the word original. So being original mm. is hugely important to authoritativeness. Um, the second is the idea that it's useful. And the third idea is that you're communicating it to other people who can communicate it for you, which is the newsworthiness. Is that a fair kind of triplet that we can look at? Yeah, and what I want to challenge people to do is, I think especially for branded content, you know, you think of like the usefulness and that sort of thing for like the direct me speaking to my audience. When we think about earned media, though, and we're thinking about content showing up somewhere else, you have to take the additional step of how you're helping the other sites with their goals, too. And I mm. think that's what trips people up, because you're not just trying to be useful for the end readers, you're trying to be useful for the people who are going to be publishing your content. So like, what is, why are they going to republish your content? Do you, do you see what I mean? It's, it's like a weird yeah. web of how you, like the perspective you have to have. Well, for me, that's a really interesting point because you say it's weird. It's where I came from. I'm old enough to have started on the internet in 1998 where everybody was trying to help everybody else. We were all mm. linking to each other, and it was all about saying, what can I do to help you? And then all of a sudden, with Google's domination, we became obsessive about keeping our link juice, and people suddenly stopped helping each other, and we're moving back to that. That's, yeah, a very interesting point, and I think that losing that perspective is a really big disservice and mm. means that you'll never get those partnerships that I was referring to any sort of collaboration that will mutually benefit if you're doing it correctly to your point about how the internet used to be mutually benefit in a, but in a real way, not in like a yeah. tacky, you know, black hat way in a way that's like your brand complements mine. We believe the same things, you know, let's tell a similar story together or I wrote this thing and I know that this publication is a great fit for it and their audience, like, let me pitch it to them. But if you're not thinking about that, you're never going to succeed. No one's going to agree to partner with you. No one's going to agree to run your content because you're thinking about no. yourself and you're not thinking about how you can help them. That's that's a really interesting point, though. That that's like the origin of how things were done. Right. Yeah, well, I'm old enough to remember that. And it worked out really well. And, and that's what I never really understood is why everybody became so protective and egocentric is that the, mm. the sharing thing worked incredibly well, but that's a different story. One thing that I don't really understand is I'm obsessed by my own company and my own brand. I partner with Wordlift, for example, but we're both completely obsessed with our own particular brand and what we're trying to communicate. And we are incapable so far of making newsworthy content because we talk about, for example, we speak the native language of Google, therefore you should be interested in us. People are simply not interested in writing about that. And I kind of got the impression they would be, but they're not. Mm. So this is where I kind of, sometimes when I do presentations, I, I show like a spectrum from topical to tangential. Ooh. So yeah, so topical being what you're, exactly what you're saying. There's a need for it. You should do it. You should be obsessed with your brand. You've got to tell that story. But that uh, to get your like so your content covered anywhere else, mm -hmm. you have to start moving to the tangential side 
And to create oh. something that's more tangential is to zoom out a bit and to think, okay, my target audience, I know how I help them and I'm, I already explained that. What else are they dealing with? What is the what are the questions of the greater industry? So if you know, in our case, it's SEO, right? Like <clears throat> and AI and the millions of things that people are talking about that I don't directly work on, that you don't directly work on, but that are still plaguing the minds of our target audience, right? So allowing yourself to take that step back and and absorb all of these different things and say, can I contribute something with my unique perspective? a different way of looking at these other topics that even aren't exactly what I do. Um, that is a way, especially if you're tapping into like, if, you, if there's a publication you want to be featured on keeping tabs of what they're writing about, do they cover, really? you know, are they covering more like data reports? Are they getting like experts to contribute columns? Like it's so much more about a broader awareness of what's happening in the industry at large, rather than your product or service offering. And, and like, you know, your, your bottom of the funnel marketing. Oh, yeah. So that makes me think of the, the phrase, we're all the star of our own films. And what you're saying is we want to try to become a bit part player in somebody else's film. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that there's so many. Yeah, it's kind of just like recognizing that there's other films, right? And, yeah. and they have their own. They have their own occupations, like their own their own preoccupations. Yeah, and they need and, and people they're... in the background to 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 fill up the the, the space. So right. the newsworthiness is saying, well, I can fit in as a co-star. Hopefully, that would be ideal. But I can also be a bit part player who just comes in and goes out again, and nobody ever sees again. But I contribute to your personal or your brand film, and they'll remember that they use your information to support what they're trying to do. And that, that's kind right. of, you know, even if you're not, they don't have like a very specific, like how do I improve my brand SERP question? Obviously that's ideal. <laughs> and then you yeah. answer it and now everything's great. Um, and there will be those people, but it's, Oh, like, you know, Jason had this really interesting article about this other topic that I was reading based on his experience in the field and that was really helpful to me, even if it's not like directly in line with mm. what you're doing, you're still building your authority, right? It's still showing that not only are you committed to your business, you're committed to just yeah. helping people in the industry. So that's, yeah, you made a really, I, I like that analogy. I like the, the No, no, it, it does make me think about an article that was recently published in entrepreneur.com. And the person who wrote the article kept saying, Jason Barnard, the expert, Kelly Cube, the best company for your knowledge panel, for managing your brand narrative on search, be it Google or Bing. And they took out so many references. And it ends up with just one mention of Jason Barnard and no yes. mentions at all of Kelly Cube. And I was kind of disappointed. But then at the same time, it's not that I haven't been appreciated and the authority isn't being Built. It's just that I'm a very small bit player, bit part player in this particular film, and I was hoping to be a co-star. Yeah, I totally understand that. And I think the other thing to be proud of with a mention like that, even if it's not exactly what you wanted, is just the fact that even if they said less, that means that they are kind of relying on readers to know, like, 
we're entrepreneur and we're mentioning, you know, yeah. CaliCube and we're mentioning Jason Barnard, which means that we've already sort of like done our internal vetting that he is an expert and take our word for it, you know? That's a very good point. And it, it, it's still, that's what's so wonderful about getting mentioned by other authoritative sources is people can kind of just take for granted that you are an authoritative source without needing to prove it, mm. you know, extensively in that piece of content. Brilliant. And I mean, from my perspective in there, you're kind of saying, well, I am the expert and CaliCube is the expert in brand service and knowledge panels. And there isn't very much doubt about that. So I would hope to be mentioned more often than not. Hope to. What about the tangential side? I really find that interesting because I'm suddenly thinking, where could we start talking to people on their film with their scenario where our scenario can come in and help support? Well, that's why, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Because yeah. <laughs> as we said at the top of the show or before the show, we don't do the exact same thing, but we both no. understand the the impact of brand authority. And we're both like very aligned to that overall mission. So we, like, it, it's fascinating to find like these complementary people and brands. So to your question though, I think that it's a different goal when you're doing more top of the funnel tangential stuff than it is when you, you know, it makes total sense that you want to be the expert in brand SERPs. Yeah. And that's wonderful. And that goal is to like in your niche, you are the go-to source. That is amazing. The, the goal of being more tangential has, it, it's usually to increase the number of people who know about you. So they might not be like right now, your perfect audience, but the more people who know about you, even if it's just like me or other people in the industry, the more likely they can maybe refer people to you, the more likely they mm. know that this is like a, a tool in their overall toolkits, whatever it is. So you're increasing your general audience within the industry. That's one goal. Uh, the other can be more about the the SEO ramifications of it, as we also have briefly spoken about, where it's like, how do I improve my rankings? How do I improve, you know, what's appearing on my SERP and increasing your site's domain authority or rating, whatever metric of choice you use. Uh, because if you're getting that type of coverage on other sites, that's how Google knows like, oh, not only are you producing good content, but other people think you're producing good content. So we should rank that above everything else. So it's, it's just good to have those different objectives in mind if you're going to take this approach. Usually you start like the way you start with being the expert at what you do and then you kind of move your way up if you right. have those other goals. Yep. Yeah, no, and and, and that is a, a hugely interesting point. If we come back to the AI and, and BARD and ChatGPT on Bing, you have done an amazing job of being present in their minds. So you need to, in my opinion, understand that these machines are looking at the internet, looking at what's consumable, looking at what's consistent, and then saying, well, I'm going to repeat what I'm confident in. And you've done an amazing job of that. How much do you think is repetition and how much do you think is authoritativeness? I love that question. I think it is the combination. And mm. the reason I say that is sometimes people will create like one really great report and then they never do it again. Right. So it'll be like, oh, back in 2019, this brand did this really cool thing, and then they never touched it or did anything else ever. 
And I think that you'll see, you know, a bump temporarily, but it's the consistency of investing in a strategy and a, and a perspective and like this approach that is going to make Google like, sure. You know, you get mentioned in something once that's awesome. You can put that logo everywhere. You can say I was mentioned in whatever it was. Uh, Mm. But it's the fact that you're consistently getting mentioned on authoritative sites that it's hard to argue with that. Right. (laughs) It's it's just hard to argue with it. If somebody's, constantly referring to you somebody's constantly republishing your content you know google just from a common sense perspective is just like oh they are con- like continuously linked to or mentioned yeah. over and over and over again they must maybe though you know one time could maybe be a fluke but probably not even still but hmm. the repetition is what really solidifies the authority to me yeah, no, 100%. And it, the mind of the the AI is I keep coming back to this same source and I keep seeing this source person or company cropping up in this particular topicality. They are therefore an authority within this topicality, which is a hugely important point. Um, that was absolutely brilliant. I think we could have talked for, for several hours about this. And I think, as you said, although we don't work in exactly the same space, there's an awful lot of crossover between us. That was absolutely brilliant. We have the last question, which is always the same, which is all about how branded search and your specific topic uh, intertwine. And I didn't want to say brand authority and branded search. I wanted to say newsworthy content and branded search. So it was yes. kind of to trick you. Can you tell me <laughs> how can newsworthy content help with branded search and or how does branded search tie in with newsworthy content? Yes. Yeah, so newsworthy content can certainly tie in because, A, if you oh, – I feel like there's a ton of different ways, like you said, we could talk for hours. But one of the things is <laughs> if you create something super interesting uh, and data-driven and newsworthy uh, – it might get so foundational in your industry or people might link to it so often or need that statistic or whatever it is so often that people will actually start searching for it in your brand potentially, which is awesome. Uh, that's yeah. kind of a best case scenario. Um, but the other thing is what we touched on before, which is if you're creating newsworthy content with the goal of earning media, that media that you're earning for your brand serves as these amazing authoritative bolsters for your site itself in your brand search. Like if you're in our situation and you're competing against other similar terms or whatever, making sure you're not ranking those, but also that, you know, Stacker studio or Stacker was mentioned in Digiday, for example, that is on the, you know, our, our brand SERP and it adds authority immediately to somebody looking at your brand SERP. If they see that a respected publication a respected person is talking about you. So, it might not always make it to page one, depends on what the coverage is. And But even if it doesn't, it's still working in the background to make sure that everything else you're doing that is more branded has a better chance of ranking because your site and your brand overall are more authoritative. That was a brilliant answer. Hugely, Thank hugely you. impressed. Thank you so much. I wish this could go on for longer, but I've been told that 30 minutes is the absolute perfect length for a podcast episode. Thank you so much, Amanda. That was an amazingly interesting and intriguing and informative discussion for me. Now on to next week. Next week on CaliCube Tuesdays and Branded Search and Beyond, 
we're going to be talking with Gaurav Sharma about leveling up your content through regular updates. A lot of people talk about creating new content. He's going to talk about boosting ROI in the long run by updating existing content. Something we need to do at CaliCube. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm sure it will teach us all a lot. Now, could you pass the baton, please, Amanda? Sure. Next episode, we'll talk about a topic near and dear to my heart. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Amanda. That was brilliant. I'll give you the outro song. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Amanda. And thank you, everyone, <laughs> for watching. Thank you so much, Jason. This was a blast. It was absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Cube. It's all about your brand, Serp.